My name is Tamara Gober, and I'd like to personally welcome you to the Hope Community Podcast. Before we begin, if you live in the New York City area and are looking for a church home, I'd like to take this time to invite you to our services. For time and place, check out our website at hopecommunitynyc.com. Again, thanks for listening. We hope you are encouraged by this message, and we truly pray you walk away looking more like Jesus. We are currently going through a study on 1 Corinthians, um, and uh, that's because we have been kind of going through uh, Paul's journey as he has planted churches, uh, and so we kind of started in Acts whenever we first planted this church, and now we've been kind of going through the church plants and um, kind of looking at those letters that he has written to them. Uh, Corinth was one of his first church plants, and, um, and so that's why we're going through this one here. Uh, if you guys remember, uh, just a brief history, uh, really brief. Um, Corinth was a city that is not unlike New York City, um, and but it was, if you can imagine, uh, morally, uh, way morally corrupt, more morally corrupt um, than even New York City. Um, and uh, I know you guys are like, why are you hating on New York City? Come on, you guys know it, okay? <laughs> um, you guys are out there, okay? Uh, but um, it's just it's just kind of a um, a city where it's going to be very hard to plant a church uh, because whenever Paul had to leave Corinth, he had to end up um, leaving it there with some leadership, and the way that the world was working was starting to infiltrate the church rather than the church infiltrating the world, and so Paul had to write a letter to them uh, and kind of get on to them a little bit for how they represent the gospel. That's why we have the word represent um, up here for kind of the the theme word for 1 Corinthians. Uh, And what's going to be ever present before us as we look at 1 Corinthians is we are always going to um, remind ourselves how are we representing the gospel to the world around us. Because we are either doing a good job of representing the gospel the way that God wants us to, or we're doing a poor job of that. And uh, and so I think that it's a timely challenge for them, but I think it's also a timely challenge for myself. It's a timely challenge for us as we consider how we represent the gospel to the world around us, all right? Uh, so um, today uh, we get to talk about um, uncomfortable things. Uh, yeah, so one thing about 1 Corinthians is whenever you dive in, you know that these kinds of things are coming. And, uh, and so it's awesome because, uh, the first week, uh, there's a couple of milestones in here that you're like, oh yeah, I hope that no one shows up to church whenever we are talking about these things. I'm just kidding. Um, because these are all very, very important, but let's just say that, uh, these aren't the ones that you're like blasting out there and being like, hey everyone, we're talking about this today, come to church. All right. Uh, so that first one that we talked about a few weeks ago was, uh, you know, spiritual, uh, like discipline, church discipline, right? Um, and some of you guys, that was your first Sunday here was church discipline. Yes. Uh, and so we talked about that. And so, uh, uh, you know, it was good, and I feel like that, um, I think only one person didn't come back, uh, so that's fine. Um, I'm just kidding, uh, but I'm not. But uh, then, um, you know, and then you get to a milestone like this today, and you're like, I wonder who's going to be at church. And then you have people like Brian who text you, and they're like, hey, man, I'm going to bring a whole team, bro. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, awesome, thanks. Uh, and so uh, today, we're going to say, let me look at my crowd here. Okay, John Paul, he's two. Um, we're going to say the word sex a lot, all right? Um, and that's going to kind of, everybody was just like, oh dear, what has happened? Um, but we're going to talk about that, all right? Uh, just for a little bit. Uh, and we're going to talk about singleness and we're going to talk about marriage, okay? Uh, because these are very, very important topics to God, all right? 
Uh, and so, um, so zero in on this. Uh, there is, you know, like I said, the, the portion that we're going to be talking to through today. Uh, I want to get through several parts of it and talking through and really kind of digging into it. We're going to be looking at chapter seven, verses one through nine specifically. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, real quick, there's a funny uh, kind of satirical Christian author uh, by the name of John Acuff. Have you guys ever heard of John Acuff before? Uh, so he writes some, you know, kind of silly stuff. Um, he is a Christian, and uh, he wrote a book called Stuff Christians Like. Uh, and uh, he kind of pokes fun at Christianity uh, and kind of what we're kind of like. Now, it's cool because he's like, I can talk about them because I am one, right? Um, that's kind of his whole thing. Uh, and some of it is kind of like, wow, that's, that's not, I don't know how I feel about what you just said, John. Um, but a lot of it is pretty funny. Like, uh, you kind of have to laugh at Christianity um, and you kind of have to laugh at some things. Like one thing he has uh, is entitled uh, Keeping Christ in Christmas. Um, and he talks about if you want to rile up a Christian, then just replace Christ with X and just say Merry Xmas. And then they will go off the rails and they will attack you uh, because we will keep Christ in Christmas. He also in that story goes into this kind of uh, he kind of imagines um, he's like, what's up with Elf on the Shelf? Uh, and he kind of imagines like uh, if if in your nativity scene if the shepherds or the wise men could have a conversation with elf on a shelf how that would go and about how sacrilegious elf on the shelf would be and what's he even doing here right in the first place uh so it's kind of funny um he has one called uh watching r-rated movies but only if it's violence uh yeah so i'm saying um he also has one that's written called having a spiritual excuse not to have spiritual discipline uh, where he kind of leads off with saying, I don't feel led is the greatest way to get out of Christian work. Um, so uh, see what I'm saying? Like you all get that, right? It's like, I just don't feel led to do that. Okay, stack chairs. <laughs> um, but, uh, but then there's one that he's got uh, that's pretty hilarious. And um, it's called Ranking. Yeah, we're recording this. <laughs> okay. Uh, Ranking honeymoon sex slightly higher than the second coming of Christ. All right. And uh, it's basically about how like Christians like are okay with Jesus coming back as long as he waits until you're able to have sex, right? So that's kind of the whole thing about it. And uh, he kind of talks about how like, you know, you're kind of saying pretty much that you're excited about Jesus coming back, but you're more excited about your honeymoon possibly. So let's bow for prayer. What? Why does this happen? Seriously, quit. That was an anointed word, yeah. <laughs> the Holy Spirit just decided to show up <laughs> all of a sudden. Hey, Lord. Uh, but it's kind of funny because because if you guys if you guys will admit it, it's kind of like especially if you grew up like in Christianity, if you grew up in a Christian home and you grew up with you know all these sayings of everything, you know, and it's like oh, I'm saving myself for marriage, and you're trying to honor the Lord with everything. You said things like that, like, and so we place this kind of like elevated status right on marriage. Uh, you know, some people are like, you know, Jesus, you can come back, but can you at least wait till I'm married? Right. Whenever I was younger, I was like, I remember, like, I I remember thinking these things, like. God, I really want to be able to drive a car. So like Jesus come back, like that's cool, but I want to be able to get my license first, right? And I want to be able to drive. I just thought that'd be so cool to be able to, and then it's like, all right, Lord, if I can get my license and then I can get married and then we um, go through the honeymoon, I'm, I'm tired of saying that. So if we can go through the honeymoon, then like maybe you can come back then, right? 
that's that's kind of what that's that's kind of how we see it. And and without thinking about it, we kind of elevate all of these things, and uh, and especially marriage. And if you think about it, in Christianity, there is a culture where we do place marriage kind of higher than singleness. Like that's just what happens. And and look, and you may look, and I know that we say all the words and we'll say things like, no, we love that you're a single member. The Lord just has you in a season. This is it. He just has you in a season of singleness, right? Like that you're missing out on something because you're single. And 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 I see how Christians look at kind of the single community and they're kind of like, you know, I mean, one day it'll one day your your your, your time will come. And and God will provide a person for you. Remember, just believe, right? He will give you the desires of your heart, right? Trust in him, yes, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And, uh, and so then, you know, like Christians are left, and the single Christians especially, they're just kind of like, okay, yeah, like, all right, they're right. Like, I can't wait to join this superior club one day where everyone has arrived, and I can actually then walk into the blissfulness of the room and be married, right? And say, ah, I've arrived. I've, I am now a married individual, right? And that's, it's, it's just kind of crazy how we kind of put things because that's not necessarily how God uh, thinks about singleness. It's not how he thinks about marriage or things like that. Um, but that's kind of the general level in which we put marriage, right, uh, in the Christian culture. And, uh, and, and that it's some kind of ultimate, you know, blessing. And, and here's what's sad. Uh, singles are usually outside. You know, on the outside, they're telling themselves that God's will is perfect and that they should enjoy in, you know, this quote-unquote season of singleness. Uh, but inside, they are unconvinced as they are haunted with the question of what's wrong with me, right? Sometimes they think, what's wrong with me? Or, or is God upset with me? about something. Why? Because we've elevated marriage. Now, don't get me wrong. Marriage is awesome. Marriage is a gift. We're going to talk about it in just a second. All right. But more what we're going to talk about is marriage is not a greater gift than singleness. It's not. And that's how God sees it. But we shouldn't, we shouldn't, and, and, and we do this, we should not elevate marriage above singleness because it leaves out an entire section of our brothers and sisters that feel like they are not accomplishing God's will as as, as much as you are, or as much as like the married person is. Like that you are somehow pleasing God more because you are married than they are. And they're kind of left in this like minor league status, right? They feel like, oh, one day I'm going to be called up to the majors, but right now I just got to play the minors and then God's going to call me up one day, right? But that is unfortunately uh, a lie and it needs to be exposed for what it is because the enemy uses that in a really, really great way. Um, and so, and so, you know, singles struggle, but all, then on the other side of the coin as well, like I have been um, talking with specifically a couple uh, who is having a very, very hard time right now in their marriage. Uh, they are, um, it, it, basically I've talked to both of them and, uh, and, and the wife of the relationship has pretty much said, I'm done. I don't want to have anything to do with this marriage anymore. Um, I just want, and, and here's the reason why it, cause it didn't make sense to me, but here's, here's the reasons that she gave. God just has me in a really good place right now where I'm doing a lot of things for him. And where he's really using me. And I feel like that my marriage is actually causing me to not be able to pursue the things that he wants me to do. And so therefore, I just kind of am thinking that, you know, divorce is probably the better option because it's going to help me serve God more. 
Now, to a lot of you, you're thinking, wow, that, that actually, there's a lot going on there. And there is a lot of immaturity in kind of that thinking and that thought process and everything. But here's, here's my point to all this. It's so funny because a lot of people that are married, uh, they just can't wait to be single again. But you got a lot of people who are single who just can't wait to be married. And see, what that does the whole time is it just distracts you. Distracts you from what God has called you to actually do. All right? And that's unfortunately where a lot of people are. That's unfortunately where a lot of people sit and a lot of people live is just in a distracted state of mind, wishing for something that they didn't have. And that's a very, very dangerous place to be. And, uh, and so we're going to kind of look at this scripture today and kind of talk about um, what Paul is saying uh, to these people. So if you guys will, uh, just kind of look at your Bibles um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And, uh, and I love Paul's state of mind uh, with everything um, that he does, uh, because as we're going to find out, you know, the problem that we often uh, view marriage and singleness from is, is kind of a selfish view. Uh, and the truth is, while marriage has benefits, it's not ultimately um, for us. It's to be used for the gospel, all right? Singleness has nothing to do with you. It's to be used for the gospel. And I love Paul so much because he looked at everything through the lens of the gospel. And it's absolutely evident in this passage today. So uh, we're going to stop at the first half of the first verse of 1 Corinthians because I need to explain something to you guys. Uh, but it says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. He says, Now regarding the questions you asked in your letter, yes, it is good to abstain from sexual relations. All right, so the Corinthian church has some questions for Paul. If you guys remember this culture, sexual immorality is running completely rampant in this culture. All right. It is, it is sex is being abused in very grotesque ways. And it's actually even infiltrating the church. We've talked about it just a little bit. You had one guy who was living with his dad's wife, right? And Paul was like, you guys need to kick that person out of the church. He was saying, you guys are, are doing things that lost people won't even do. Like you guys are acting in ways that lost people won't even act, right? And so here they are, like this brand, these are all brand new Christians, right? The, the church at Corinth, they're all brand new Christians and they're trying to figure things out. And if you guys realize they don't have the New Testament to follow, right? It's still being written. So they can't just open up the word of God in the New Testament and say, oh, I have some questions about some things. So they were relying on Paul, the guy who came in and planted their church. He's like, listen, man, we need some answers from you about some questions that we have. First of all, we understand that you told us that we need to refrain from sexual immorality. Like we get it. We understand that. We just don't know what that means because we live in a culture where sexual immorality, like I said, just is, is everywhere. It runs rampant. We don't even, we can't even ascertain between what is rightful sexual living and what is the wrong way to do this. So Paul, we need some answers. Like are you telling us that, that, that maybe, maybe we, we should just abstain altogether? Like maybe we should just decide here and now, Paul, that we should, like it's been so abused. And even in my own life, Paul, it's been so abused that maybe I just need to step back from it for a moment and I need to just, just quit it altogether. That way I don't have to worry about it. That way I don't have to, to, to accidentally step into it. Like what do I need to do, Paul? And, and there's some other questions they have. Paul, like my, my spouse, I, I became a believer, but my spouse didn't become a believer. So what is, is, 
Is that sexual immorality? Like to, for us to, to engage in that, like, is there something, Paul, do we need to get divorced then? Like, what do we need to do? Like, there's so much confusion around how to act sexually with one another that, that they're just like, Paul, we've got some big questions about this. Like we need some help. Please, can you just tell us some things about this, right? And, uh, and so Paul gives them some instructions and, uh, and he kind of tells them and he kind of breaks it down for them on what to do in this, right? They just want to honor God. That's what I love about these questions that they ask because they're just like, God, we just, or Paul, we just want to honor God. And so if you can just help us understand how to honor God in this, then please let us know, right? And that's the absolute right attitude to have about anything, right? That's the, that's the correct attitude to have about everything in our lives. And we talk about this all the time, and I even mentioned it earlier. But whenever somebody is saved, they're, giving a brand, they're given a brand new heart. They're given brand new desires, right? And their affections are shifted from themselves to God. So now you have a brand new love in your life. And you're like, man, like where I used to do everything for myself, now I want to do everything for God. Like I want to follow him. I want to just be obedient to what he's called me to do. Why? Because I love him and my affections are now for him. And our attitude should always be, God, how can I bring more glory to you? Lord, my life is submitted to you. How can my life be more pleasing to you? That's the question that we all should ask whenever we've been given a new heart. How can I be more pleasing to you. And that's kind of their heart behind the question that they're bringing to Paul. We want to honor God. How can we do that? How can we best do that? Um, I, I kind of told some of you um, about a friend. Actually, actually, Chad, this guy was at Calvary. But um, there was a guy who, uh, like I told you, like I, I used to lead music. Um, that My first church that I served in, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. And, uh, and there was a guy that was there. Um, I, I was, you know, Doing music, we had you know kind of a similar setup. We had we had um, a drummer, um, we had a uh, you know bass player, we had me. I was playing guitar. We had another guitar player. We had a couple of singers as well, and uh, and you know we I, I was kind of new to the church, and I would come in and I would kind of lead worship and everything. You know, um, me and my 22 year old self, or however old I was, um, leading worship. And there was a guy that would always come up to me, and he would say, you know. I just can't get on board with you. And I was like, where is this going? Like, this is not a great way to start a conversation. Um, but he, and he was an older gentleman and he was like, look, I, he was like, I mean, I'm sure that you mean well, uh, but I'm just not there yet. And I was like, what, what are you talking about? And, uh, and he was like, I just don't think that drums and guitars belong in church. Just can't do it. But like, all right. So are you leaving the church? And he's like, no. I'm like, I'm not leaving the church. All right, so we're set an impasse, right? <laughs> You're just going to have to sit there and endure the music, uh, part of worship. And, uh, and, so, and, and it would be like once a month he would come up to me and he would just be like, still not with it, just can't do it. And I'm like, awesome. Now It was to the point now where every time I would see him coming, I was like, oh, my gosh. Hide, you know, I was like, where do I start a conversation with somebody else? Like, what do I got to do to avoid this guy? And I just kind of checked him off as just kind of like this legalistic old guy who didn't want to, you know, who, who wasn't following the Lord. Uh, and he just cared about, you know, um, all these do's and don'ts and, and wills and won'ts and all these things. 
Um, and, uh, and so I just kind of marked him off, right? I was just kind of like, you know, whatever, like, I'm just not going to deal with this anymore. Um, and the thing is, is that, uh, eventually, you know, one day again, he walked up to me and he was like, look, man, I'm just letting you know that, uh, the Lord might be working on my heart a little bit. And I was like, praise. And, uh, and he was just like, um, but I'm still not there. And, uh, I'm like, okay. Uh, and, and he finally said, he finally said, look, I know that I've come up to you and I've said this a lot, but he said, can I just explain to you why? And I was like, please, like, that would be wonderful. Here's what he told me. He said, there was a time in my life when I was so far from God, extremely far from God. I don't even like to think about how far I was from God. And I was going like I was a terrible husband. Um, I was going to the bars all the time. Uh, I was getting drunk all the time. I was coming home. I was not a pleasant person. I was not a happy person. Um, I was a very miserable person, but that was my lifestyle. And I just went every night. I would go to the bars and, uh, and I would just drink and um, I would listen to the music. And that was just part of my life. He said, but, but, but I remember every once in a while, my wife would drag me to church. And when I came to church, it was different. Like there was something different about it. He was like, I didn't like the music at all. It was just pianos and organs. It was like, that was not my kind of music, but that's just what I equate church music with. And he said, whenever I was saved, whenever I was radically changed and God changed my life, I wanted to run as far away from that lifestyle that I possibly could. So I, so I didn't, I didn't want to go to a church where there was drums and where there were guitars because I, my mind would just be flooded about my old life. And I didn't want to be, I didn't want to have those memories back because God's completely changed me. But now you're here and you're bringing in the guitars and the drums. He was like, I think I, I'm starting to understand your heart a little bit. And he goes, and I do want to apologize because um, I know that you love the Lord and I know that you, you, these songs, there's nothing wrong with these songs that you're picking. He said, I just want you to know this is a battle that's in myself. And I just want you to know that I'm working on it. And God's working on it. And I was floored in that moment. I was just absolutely floored in that moment. Because <laughs> how dare I think something about someone else whenever he just was asking the question, Lord, how do I glorify you the most? How can I glorify you the most? And whenever there were, whenever he was involved in, in, in anything where there was a band that took him back to those days, he felt like he wasn't glorifying the Lord the most that he could. And that's the same exact heart that these guys have behind asking this question. And so as, as foolish as it sounds, you know, like as extreme as they sound, and they're like, all right, Paul, should we just, should we just not engage in sexual activity at all? Like we just need to get rid of it out of our lives. That's an extreme statement. But there is a great heart behind that extreme statement. And I, I love that they're there. And so I want to make sure that we understand that, and that we understand that we may have some extreme stances sometimes, and we may not all agree on those extreme stances sometimes, but as long as we all have a heart of God, how can we glorify you more? How can we glorify you to the best of our ability? Then we're going to be okay. Like we can all serve together. We can all, we can all do all of these things together. We can lock arms and we can chase people with the gospel. All right. We can do those things. 
And we should do those things. And so I love that they're asking these questions. And so um, Paul responds to them, all right? They're basically saying, Paul, what's the most godly thing to do? Tell us what's the most godly thing to do. And so Paul's going to tell them, all right? And this is, by the way, a um, pretty radical statement that Paul's about to make uh, for this culture back then. He says uh, in 1 Corinthians 7, 1, uh, and I'm going to read through 9, the whole thing. He says this. Now, regarding the question you asked in your letter, yes, it is good to abstain from sexual relations. But because there is so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I say this as a concession, not as a command, but I wish everyone were single just as I am. Yet each person has a special gift from God of one kind or another. So I say to those who aren't married and to widows, it's better to stay unmarried just as I am. But if they can't control themselves, they should go ahead and marry. It's better to marry than to burn with lust. There are three things in this scripture that I want to highlight and I want to kind of talk about. But the first one, just in case I don't have time to get to the others, the first one I think is the most important one. They're all very, very important, but one that I want to make sure that we touch on, especially for our day and age today, is the question was they're asking, Paul, what's more godly, to be married or to be single? What's more godly? That's the ultimate question that they're asking. And, and we're going to end up looking at what he says about divorce next week, and, and we're going to dive into what he talks about uh, the benefits of being single even more the following week after that. So they're asking the question, what is more godly now? Like I said earlier, if we just look into our subconscious for a moment, we might think to ourselves, well, marriage is the more godly thing. But that's why we have some of the knee-jerk reactions to singleness that we have is because we have a wrong view of marriage and singleness, all right? So in verse 7, I want you to notice what he says. He says, but I wish everyone were single just as I am. It's like, wow. But then he says this, yet each person has a special gift from God of one kind or another. So what is it? What's more godly, singleness or marriage? The answer is both. They're both the same. They're both, what that word right there is, is translated as gift. They are both single. Did you hear what I just said? Single, people do not believe this. Singleness is a gift from God. Marriage is also a gift from God. Now, my job right now is if you're single in the room is to convince you that it's a gift. And my job as a pastor right now also is to convince you that marriage is also a gift, right? Because sometimes we look at marriage, right? And we're just like, I don't want to look at you right now, right? We gotta, sometimes we got to remind ourselves, this is a gift, this is a gift, this is a gift, right? So my job is to convince you of those things. But here's the thing. That word gift right there, I'm going to get all pastoral and say the word Greek for you. Um, both singleness and marriage, that word in the Greek means a gift of grace and undeserved benefit. 
what? Do we, do we really see singleness as that? Do we see singleness as a gift of grace and, and un, an undeserved benefit? Y'all, if you're single in this room, write that down so that you can go to that all the time and just be like, you know what? Yes, and amen to that. I do not deserve to be single yet. God has given it to me. Thank you, Lord. I don't know many people that pray that. I don't know many people, I don't know many single people that are just like, yes, Lord, thank you. I want to be a single as long as I possibly can. This gift that you have given me, God, thank you. I'm undeserving of it, Lord, honestly, right? No, no, you don't see anybody really praying that prayer right there. But if we understand singleness, like God understands singleness, then we will pray that. We will see it as that. But we've got to trust God that this is what is true. We've got to trust him that this is what is absolutely true and that our emotions lie to us. That sometimes Christians lie to us and to make us believe something that is in opposition to what God is saying here. So that same word that he uses as gift to describe singleness and that same word that he uses as gift to describe marriage, it's the same word used when speaking about the gift of deliverance from peril. And also the gift of salvation. Yo, have we ever, has any single person ever, did I ever in my life before I was married, see, put singleness on the level of salvation as a gift? I, I can't tell you that I did. And I guess it's because nobody ever taught me what it really looked like. And so I spent my, my college like trying to like, I was like, I got to find somebody to marry. I can't get out of college and I'll be married. Then I'll be single forever. Like, that's the worst thing I've ever done in my life, right? And that's kind of what we, the pressure that we feel sometimes, right? And so I'm not saying that my marriage was rushed and that it was an accident or should not have happened. Um, it's a gift. Thank you, babe. Absolutely true. It is a gift. But it's also used in talking about spiritual gifts as well. It's like, do we see that, you know, do we see singleness as a gift, right? Do we see marriage as a gift? It's basically saying our perfect and good God who knows our every need, who loves to give good gifts, has gifted you singleness. He's gifted you marriage. And he's done so with a smile on his face like he's just given you the greatest thing ever. God is like, here you go. Singleness, have it. This is for you. I want you to enjoy this. But yet, a lot of times we don't, right? A lot of times we think of, the, think of it the opposite way. I want to remind you of some of a few scriptures. James chapter 1, verse 17. Listen to this. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Matthew 7, 11 says, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him, right? Let me just take a pause just for a moment. And I want to talk to some parents in the room who are praying for their child's future spouse. I want you to change that. That may be not what you should be praying for. Maybe you shouldn't. Maybe you shouldn't. Or at least I don't want you to only pray for that. Pray for your child's future spouse, but also pray for the gift of singleness should God decide that's the path that they need to go. Because it is indeed a gift. And if God 
who knows how to give good gifts, or if you know how to give gifts, good give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? Singleness is a good gift. Philippians four nineteen says, "And my God will supply every need of yours according to the His riches uh, in glory in Christ Jesus." Let me tell you what that verse does not say: "And my God will supply every want of yours." according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. It's every need. The, the question really boils down to, do you trust him? Do you trust God? If you trust him, then it's a joy in every season of your life. Singleness is a gift. Marriage is a gift. If you trust God. But let me just step on some toes for just a minute. If you are single and you wish that you were married and you think that it is better, then you are telling God straight to his face, I don't trust you. And if you are married and you wish that you were single, you are telling God to his face, I don't trust you. The key is, do we trust him? Do we trust the gifts that he has given us? So singleness is a special gift from God. Marriage is a special gift from God. But so many people treat those who are married as ones who have received a gift and they view singleness as God withholding a gift. Singleness is not God withholding a gift. Convince yourself of that, all right? So we need to outright expose that as a lie that is from the enemy that is keeping single people focused inwardly instead of outwardly, right? And that's exactly what God's word is trying to expose here through Paul. He's trying to say, hey, it is a gift. Listen, marriage is not a leg up in this life, okay? Marriage is simply, listen to this, Marriage is simply exchanging one very good gift from God for another gift. And there is no superior gift. One gift is not more spiritual than the other gift. And for those who lose a spouse, God forbid, somebody loses a spouse, their spouse passes away. Again, you are not downgrading to a lesser gift. Once again, you are exchanging one gift for a very good gift. Guys, we've got to see marriage. We've got to see singleness as God sees it. Because what it does is it distracts us from doing what God's called us to do. The whole point of this whole entire passage in, in all of chapter seven, remember he's saying, look, this is the most godly thing. It's not being married and it's not being single. The most godly thing that you can do is use your marriage and use your singleness to advance the gospel. That's the purpose of marriage. That's the purpose of singleness also. What else is the purpose of marriage? I mean, yes, there are some, some things that marriage represents. And we know that Paul talks about marriage as well in Ephesians, and he talks about how it's a picture of Christ and the church and the relationship between bride and groom, right? We know that it, that it represents something beautiful. We know that it, it truly is a gift, but a lot of times we're like, that's, oh, that's the gift. Yeah, that's the gift, but singleness isn't a gift. But the thing is, is that what Paul is saying through all of these scriptures is he's saying, look, marriage is a gift to be used to advance the gospel, Singleness is a gift that is to be used to advance the gospel. That's the purpose for both of them. It's the same exact purpose. And that's why I'm saying, well, you just exchange one good gift for another good gift. All right. There is so much to this scripture. Um, and there are so many things that I have even yet to dive into. 
about even uh, just this, especially the awkward part, <laughs> right? I haven't even talked about the awkward part here in this whole thing. Um, but uh, maybe we can save that for um, next week. But one thing that I really did want to do today is, again, the enemy's greatest desire, Satan's greatest desire for each and every one of us is that we don't come to know Christ, all right? But when we do, there's nothing that he can do to take away your salvation. So what does he do? He wants to render you completely ineffective. He just wants to make sure that you don't go and mess it up for him in other places. So he is going to attack you from all angles to keep your focus on something other than the advancement of the gospel. And that's what's going on in Corinth. They are so busy focused on internal things. Like, should we be married? Should we abstain from sex at all? Like, what, what do we need to do? And, and Paul is saying, look, you are thinking way too much about inside stuff. You need to get this stuff worked out so that it can advance the gospel. So yeah, he's saying singleness is a gift. Go and advance the gospel. Marriage is a gift. Go and advance the gospel. Just quit being distracted by wanting the other. All right. Because we always, again, the saying is the grass is greener on the other side, right? So we can always think the grass is greener on the other side. And you will always think that until death. And then you've just, you've been completely ineffective because you've just been inwardly focused on the grass being greener on the other side. Get out of that and see singleness, see marriage as what it is meant to be, which is a gift that advances the gospel. And again, we're going to dive way deeper into singleness here in a couple of weeks. Um, and, uh, and we're actually going to look at the benefits of that. And we're going to flesh that out even a little bit more. Um, and so if you're not completely convinced of that today yet, uh, hang on. All right. For a couple of weeks next week, uh, we're actually going to come back. We're going to talk a little bit about um, divorce, uh, but specifically we're going to talk about if an unbeliever is married to a believer uh, or about a believer dating a non-believer. Like what, what are these things? Like uh, what are some things that we can tackle in that? What does the Bible say about those things? So uh, don't miss next week. Um, and then again, uh, don't miss the following week either. And it's funny because... Um, you know, right now it's like I'm trying to convince the single people that it's it, that it's a gift to be single. Uh, in a couple of weeks, whenever we talk about singleness, I'm going to have to convince the married people that it's a gift to be married because Paul makes a very convincing argument for singleness that you could easily walk away and go, I don't need to be married anymore. If I'm going to serve God, I need to not be married right now. Like, so it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of crazy, but uh, I'm looking forward to getting into that though. All right. Thank you for listening. For more information about our church, please visit our website at hopecommunitynyc.com.